You call Donald pro- Trump a hack? He's a hack politician. Oh, He's probably going to make Elizabeth Warren his vice presidential nominee with comments like do think, that. Do you think he's a It's plant? anti-American. It's very, very divisive. Do you think Donald's a plant? And I'll tell you who he's going to be president of. You can tell Donald I said this. The Queens County Bullies Association. you got to cut it out now and stop all this crazy rhetoric spinning okay. everybody's heads around. I don't like the way he talks about women. I don't like the way he talks about our friend Megyn Kelly. And you know what? The politicians don't want to go at Trump because he's got a big mouth and he's afraid he's going to light him up on Fox News and all these other places. But I'm not a politician. You're close. You're- Bring it. Right, so why is he, why is he you're, resonating? You're an inherited money dude from Queens County. Bring it, Donald. Do, you, you're close Bring to it. Walter. Dashing he the realizes. hedge fund community is right out of Elizabeth Warren's playbook. Yeah. Is that, are you a Democratic plant for Hillary Clinton That's and what Elizabeth I, Warren? I've That's been what saying that know. for a long time. That's what we want to know. Stand here and prove otherwise. Does he know what you said about him back in 2015 when you said he was a hack politician? Yeah, he, brings it up, he brings it up every 15 seconds, okay? One of the biggest mistakes that I made, because I was an unexperienced person in the world of politics, I was supporting another candidate. I should have never said that about him. So, Mr. President, if you're listening, I personally apologize for the 50th time for saying that. But here's the wonderful thing about the news media. That was three minutes of my life. He's never forgotten it, and you've never forgotten it. But, you know, I hope that someday, Mr. President, you will forget it. According to published reports, Scaramucci's abrupt fall was ordered by the new chief of staff, General John Kelly, the goal was ending chaos in the White House and making it clear that Kelly is in charge from here on out. Generals gathered in their masses Just like witches at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, larger! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. This is The Real World with Ryan and Redmond on We Are America Radio, your number one source for political and government talk and opinion. My name is Justin Ryan. And I'm David Redmond. David, glad to be back with you. Um, we're definitely in the dog days of summer, early August here. Uh, most of the summer has been crammed full of, um, of Trump things, making the usually slow news cycle uh, quite a bit faster than we're certainly we're used to. In this time of year, um, but now of course we have uh, North Korea on the horizon, um, and uh, people are getting worried. I think, in part, because of the context of Trump being the one dealing with all this. Yeah, we elected Crazy Man Trump, and now North Korea is heating up. Good timing, huh? And what do we do? I mean, it seems like if we back up, as we try to do here on our show a lot, and try to push away from an issue and look at it from a uh, some distance. Obviously, we've been going through this rigmarole with North Korea for 20 years, uh, 25 years, uh, amongst different leaders. And um, um, in some ways, uh, the son is worse than the father, and the father was bat crap crazy over there. Uh, It is a a closed society. It is poor. um, It is marginalized. 
there are a lot of very good people um, who don't have fundamental human rights. They don't have access to international markets for goods. It's just a sad place, and David. They also, and it keeps going. They arrested a U.S. student visiting their country and sent them back brain dead, practically. So that's also, we're not going to forget about that. And a terrible story that was, my goodness, and uh, just awful stuff. And I, I, it all struck me about that story, David, as how um, unnecessary, uh, just n- not just. Uh, there was some, you know, BS in the left on the blogosphere on on Twitter about um, him not checking his white privilege or whatever. Uh, but he got, you know, roughed up pretty bad um, for what was essentially a zero infraction for almost nothing. Right, a political prisoner. And if that's how they treat someone from one of the most powerful countries with a lot of diplomatic influence, imagine how they treat their own citizens who have no political clout whatsoever. Awful, and that kid's going to you know, be living with what happened to him for a while. Um, some of the more um, immediate stuff, um, David, it's, it's a miniaturized nuclear warhead that actually can fit inside a missile, the latest thing from, from North Korea. Um, so I would be, with that, I'd be more concerned with it being smuggled by other means versus a missile system, because I don't know, I'm, we've been watching this play out over a couple decades. It's like in slow motion, their technological progress, the whole world is watching. It's a very interesting situation as far as, you know, watching that play out. But the uh, they haven't been a threat because no one's had much confidence in their missile system, which seems to finally be getting more um, more complete, more functional. And But with the mini nuclear heads, they're much more portable. You can smuggle them in by other means, and that, I think that is the, the higher danger at this point. And, and David, the, these, these tests seem very symbolic. It's kind of saber-rattling or something like Definitely that. Definitely saber-rattling. I think, I mean, what is North Korea supposed to do? There's debate over whether they're rational or totally insane, as you mentioned. And, you know, Gaddafi started complying with the U.S., after, you know, in the age of terrorism and put a lot of pressure on him. And he still got taken out by Hillary, you know, Secretary Clinton and everything like that. So where where's the incentive to comply with the U.S. now? That's been gone. It's obliterated because we see how people who start cooperating with us get treated if other interests take over. So... North Korea, carrot or stick, because we have really nothing left to offer. And this is something that, is, that has basically started in earnest 1993-94, where basically the North Koreans fooled or played Madeleine Albright, played President Clinton, to some degree uh, played President Bush in the early 2000s. Um, certainly with that hostage situation, what was it, 2009, where, where Bubba Clinton got to you know have a photo op of him getting off the plane, the door opening, and the two women coming on the plane, him shaking their hands and smiling and all that. Um, This has been uh, on a march for a while. One of the things that um, uh, Japan has said is that this this latest thing, this this is entering a new stage now. Uh, But at the same time, David, the North Koreans have said that the only... You know, nation they're interested in in firing at is is the U.S. No one else, not anyone else. Now they sound like Iran. What, what are we, the Great Satan or something? <laughs> but yeah, they are. And, for some reason, they insist on on. I guess it's probably more directed at their own population to make the leadership seem more powerful. Hey, they're confronting the U.S., the great power. Um, that, that's got to be the saber rattling and more internal domestic policy and politics. But it, it seems like they have a death wish. The leader, the political leadership there, because. It's you, 
barking up the wrong tree, especially with Trump in power. If Trump sets a red line and they cross it, he's not going to back off of it like Obama. I can almost guarantee that. And he's speaking very tough now. I don't think his advisors are telling him to speak that way, but he's speaking seemingly off the cuff, and he means what he says, right? If we've seen what he did on the campaign and what he's been trying to deliver while in office, he's not your typical politician. That's half the reason he was elected, and he, generally speaking, means exactly what he says. And it'll mean toughness in the way that Donald Trump wants to see himself and the country. Um, one of the things that, of course, isn't being talked about in the blogosphere, because everyone's on, on sort of on, on alert about this for the last, you know, 36 hours or so um, here in midweek on uh, on Wednesday, is the fact that uh, with Trump in power, we just don't know what the heck's going to happen with this. The, the, he might drive us off a cliff. He's going to um, call the red phone and press press the nuclear codes, and it's all going to be well, a mess. Here's the thing. However, if this plays out halfway decent, right, he was sold as a madman, crazy man, literally insane on the campaign trail. Now he has the reins of government. He's in power. If he handles this semi-competently, then that all gets obliterated, right? How can you, if he handles these very sensitive diplomatic at this point missions, you know, then I don't know what, what's left to criticize him on. And really more criticism should go not to Trump on this, but really I think the Chinese government, Dave, I think that in the long run... They just need to apply more pressure on North Korea. Absolutely. Um, and whatever happens, I want to see China has to be heavily involved in helping us out on this. They're right there. They're a major regional power. And South Korea, very good ally, but they're much smaller in strength compared to China. So we need definitely a, a – the word's kind of lost its luster over the years, but a coalition in that region and let them take some of the lead on this. It's going to be vital because let's say in the next couple of years that the, that the Chinese basically leave Pyongyang alone, leave the North Koreans alone, and apply really no pressure. That is going to be a couple of really crap options uh, for the United States. That could mean you just accept a nuclear on North Korea that can strike American cities. Or we fight Not some kind of conventional war before those, you know, particular ballistic missiles are, are ready to go. Or you fight a nuclear war directly. somewhere down the road. Acting and that's just, that that's just too Before that, as yeah. you said, applying pressure from China, that's the key here. They have a lot of influence over their neighbor, North Korea. They can force the Pyongyang's hand in doing what we prefer them to do. And I think that's the way forward here. Trump's talking tough on the back end. You know, trying to get North Korea to understand, even if it got to the worst case scenario, they're not going to come out on top on that in no way, shape, or form. So it's a, it's a zero sum game for North Korea. If they got to make the right moves, or, or they're going to be in dust in history. And it's going to be hard to figure how this will work itself out because you know there's no sort of any kind of international coalition going one way or the other, except for. Uh, a fear of a, a nuclear um, you know, loggerhead um, confrontation. Um, we'll see if to see how that goes. Um, David, I'm not sure what the way forward is on this, and, and frankly, North Korea doesn't always show itself to want to avoid mutually assured destruction or act in its own sort of national security interests either in these matters. And my concern is, however it happens, eventually I, I foresee North Korea being liberated, but its people have been so battered for so long, they're not, I anticipate them not knowing how to function in a more liberated society, so you'd need a whole process of transitioning. I don't know, there wouldn't probably be too much physical resistance, but they just would kind of be a little lost for 
at least a few months in transitioning from that overbearing, tyrannical control to a more liberated society. So however that ends up happening in the future, it'll be an interesting process to see. I don't know what's going to happen. I will watch that closely. But um, ladies and gentlemen, you realize that um, um, mutual benefit is always what's sort of looked upon. And um, the United States will make small piecemeal things to satiate the, the North Koreans. We also will not tolerate certain acts of aggression. Um, and the international community will, will eventually, um, you know, be on the side of, uh, of peace, at least in theory. Um, so don't worry about that too much, but that's something that everyone's watching because people have the perception of the nature of the um, instability of both leaders, uh, both Trump and, and um, the North Korean leader. Moving on, David, there, of course, was the interesting firing this week uh, at Google. And, and first of all, if you would just tell us what the basics on this. From what I've seen, a Google employee, he had some concerns about Google's diversity policy, so he wrote a memo. I, I'm not sure exactly who he sent it to, possibly company-wide or to some departments. But it was um, some of the headlines to me don't match up with the content of the memo. It definitely wasn't politically correct, but it wasn't malicious in intent. It wasn't nasty. It, I don't think it was intended to be bigoted. Maybe some people interpreted it that way. But he had concerns over the diversity policy, specifically women and how they are hired in tech and how, how they're utilized, the general culture of the tech industry and how you could be more accommodating to different personality types. And he, he has some fairly deep academic credentials on biology and stuff like that. So it wasn't an ignorant necessarily memo, but it wasn't definitely wasn't politically correct. And Google didn't like it, gave him the axe, and it's causing a lot of controversy. Now this fired employee's gotten a couple different job offers from some interesting figures, but he, it was a fairly quick firing in my view. And it, it was fast and it was uh, sort of brusque. I think some of the... Um Things he mentioned about gender, I think, were, were particularly damning, and that may have um, pushed him off the cliff. Um, but David basically also said that, you know, this is just sort of for, you know, to create a discussion. Um, and the progressives at, at Google in particular said, um, yeah, we really can't have a discussion about certain things that we don't like. Well, that's what's unfortunate. Uh, there should be a discussion, and he was... It was an honest effort to generate it. Like I said, it did not seem malicious, even if we determined he was in the wrong. And maybe they could have, you know, had some intermediary step before firing him. Uh, maybe explain to him, now this is our policy, this is why, you know, we hope you understand. If you can't, then, you know, you're free to leave. Uh, but that's not how they handled it. He may or may not have a, a case against them. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but it may have a chilling effect on other employees who maybe have concerns in other parts of the company of policies that have nothing to do with diversity. Now they might be scared to speak out, might be concerned about speaking their concerns to their manager. Uh, it definitely could have a chilling effect for the negative. And what's interesting, of course, is some of the, like I said, some of the comments on women, which were, um, you know, not, you know, scornful or in really poor taste or anything. One of the things that they pointed to was something like the recent study came out that 82% of um, the tech workforce is male, at least of a certain kind. Um, and what they found, Dave, is not that you know women can't do the job or that men are inherently better about it, just that um, after a certain age, after about you know age 12, 13, 14, a lot of women just don't 
aren't as interested in, in tech um, as a hobby or as an emerging career. And that's just what 14-year-olds tend to divert their attention to other things. And that was viewed as somehow some of a bigoted statement just stating the own preferences of women. Right, and it wasn't an absolute statement. We're speaking generally, very generally speaking, and statistically, it's true. And they're treating this gender gap in the tech sector as a huge problem, but it's not as if women are banging down the door and they're just all their applications are being denied. The tech companies are being generally very welcoming to women and other applicants, and it's more a matter of volume. We uh, Even you see it in sports initially, there was just more demand for certain sports than women. There's many women interested in playing sports, but just on demand side, a volume side, many more young men want to play in aggressive physical sports. And yes, the demand is there for women, but it's a, it's a different volume level. And similarly in tech, you just, you know, when you're speaking generally and broadly, there's just different patterns of interests and demographics on that. And nothing necessarily wrong with that. But the, the problem is not as if the tech industry started up and said, we're not going to hire women, this is a boys club. That's not really how it happened. So it's good that we're trying to get women involved and more interested, but, you know, it, it's, people are free to apply where they want to and study what they'd like to. So it, it's not maybe as big of a problem as being, you know, advertised as. And David, some people on the right were saying that this is not really having to do with women having the right opportunities or, or, or um, being allowed the same employment opportunities. But this was just sort of like a, this is just, you got to bring down the white male here. You think that's fair in this situation, is it, or, or, or do you think there are genuine arguments for and against? I'm sure some people are thinking that way. I don't think necessarily that's the intention, but there are definitely individuals who do think that way, unfortunately. But I would say the intention is sincere. You know, they want to diversify the company. Women are a huge demographic for different shopping sectors and things like that. So everything's online now. Amazon, Google, Facebook is trying to sell stuff online. And women do a lot of shopping, as do men, of course. Don't uh, No hate mail. But if you have women in your company that are specifically, you know, able to target those um, clients, you're probably going to have, you know, better stock price, better more shareholders coming in on that. One thing that, of course, is um, frustrating about this is the fact that the mainstream media, of course, covered this as an anti-diversity screed. That's sort of the word they were often using. Um, it really wasn't that at all. It was actually an internal memo um, asking for genuine discussion. And it seems like a lot of people, David, at Google and probably amongst its adherents on that side of the political spectrum just said, no, 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 we're not going to have that discussion. Absolutely not. We're going to shut down, you know, other voices. Yeah, please search for and read the source material on this because many of the headlines don't match up. They're really not fair. It, you'd almost call it fake news. But if you read the source material, much similarly to the campaign, when you go to the source material, you, you can decipher it for yourself. It, it was fairly straightforward written. It was... Um, honest intentions, really wanted to have a discussion, and maybe they could have offered some training, had a meeting with human resources and discussed the issue and seen whether they could have resolved it or not. Instead, they immediately went to firing, which isn't the right call. It seems like a brilliant engineer, and, you know, when people have high talents, they tend to have high opinions, and I think if you want diversity, you have to work out those differences of opinion or just maybe honest questions. Maybe they don't fully understand the policy yet. And I don't, and David, go ahead. And David, you used the word honest. Um, you know, the memo was 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 not a a rant. 
um, again, as, as some um, you know, news outlets have sort of characterized it, he said that he, he states repeatedly that he believes in diversity and expresses a hope, quote, open and honest discussion with those who disagree can highlight our blind spots and help us grow. And just for that, he got fired. Yeah. Goodness sakes. Very unfortunate, but you know, maybe he'll end up in a, somewhere, a different company where he can do better work. His work will be more accepted. Um, but I don't, I don't like that direction that's going for corporate policy. If you just get fired on the drop of a hat for expressing a concerned view, a differing view, maybe asking whether the company could alter a policy slightly. And you know, Google is very big. They don't feel the loss right now, but. You know, in this tech space, smaller companies can very quickly take over market share. And, you know, people are getting – they've changed the YouTube advertising rules. A lot of different online stuff through their advertising programs are getting massively overhauled. Many would say to the detriment because if you have so-called controversial content, then the, they don't want to give you any good quality advertisers. And the money has been going downhill. And they may see – that could affect them eventually. And again, I'm just going to quote one more from here. Um, the document that underlines this point about a politically correct monoculture that maintains its hold by shaming dissenters into silence. And then they go ahead and shamed him into silence by firing him. Um, the left on this should be just, just very embarrassed by this that you couldn't sort of have this, um, uh, this conversation. And they, of course, Google as a, as a diversity officer, um, a lady named Danielle Brown, um, and she, you know, offered like an assurance that different views are welcome at Google, but this, some of the opinions of the author were incorrect, as if it's her job to, um, you know, adjudicate that. And it's just a sad episode, and we bring attention to it, um, because there are certain kind of employment issues uh, in tech, like you were talking about, David. There's not rampant sexism. It just happens that um, there happens to be, God forbid, certain things that men are good at and certain things that women are good at within the tech sector and outside of it. Um, but the idea that they couldn't have a discussion about it and fired someone like that, that's just a really kind of, uh, you know, communist-type feeling well amongst 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 corporate America and one of you know the country's biggest and brightest companies. The sad part is he ultimately agreed with the company's goal. He just differed and offered an altering view of how to get there, right? He said, yes, women, increasing women in tech can be a very good thing. I don't think this current strategy is working. Here's my strategy. Maybe that would yield better results. And this is a similar problem we have when trying to fix government. If you want to alter a big, huge government entitlement policy or any other type of policy, automatically, oh, you hate poor people. You don't care for this person, you don't care for that person, people are going to die, and no, we just have, we can read the results, the numbers are in, your government policy is failing, we want to alter it, change the strategy for better results, and if we get away from this, you know, almost witch hunt type thing, where you, when you're not using approved terminology, you're not going with conventional ideas, you have a slightly different idea of how to handle things, because the government results so far aren't working. We we gotta have be actual have diversity of ideas, not just you know outward appearances. And that's what the uh, Supreme Court, of course, wanted all those years ago. But a marketplace of ideas, um, famous um, uh, you know free speech case in the early part of the 20th, 20th century. Um, but here in the 21st century, we're just not interested um, in um, entertaining dissenting views 
um, if they um, differ from those in power. I wonder if, if part of this, David, just um, was just uh, the higher-ups at Google being upset that uh, their policies were criticized. And said, let's, let's just get rid of this guy. Um, you know, I wonder about that. It seems like that, just for the fairly quick nature of it. They're just like, oh, who's this little gnat who's buzzing around our heads? We're, we're, we, are, we run Google. We're practically human gods, right? So that may have played into it. It was a huge ego play. But it just strike me as somewhat unnecessary. They could have had some intermediary steps before they determined the firing was necessary. And I've seen memos that, on less controversial topics, but le much less refined memos of, of company stuff or public policy. And this just did not seem like a high crime to me. I don't know what's going to happen with this, but um, Google will have to answer for this in, in the broadest terms and see what happens with it. Um, just a couple more minutes left in our show. Um, here on the Railroad with Ryan and Redman, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Ryan and Red and our old shows uh, via uh, SoundCloud and Spreaker on RyanandRed.com. Um, David, last time uh, we, we broadcast talked about the, the new phenomenon uh, of, of the mooch, and uh, pretty much right after we broadcast, he was fired, <laughs> which sometimes happens uh, uh, to us in the timing and uh, awards. <laughs> very, very good timing. Um, wasn't wasn't our my fault or yours just sort of happened that way, um, but this is now two weeks old. He was uh, it's probably been longer since his firing than he actually was in office. It was about a ten day hiatus. Poor guy got divorced from his wife during that uh, peer, ten day um, working period for the, for Trump. What happened to the mooch and why did he get let go so quickly? It was a, you think? a very bad, horrible, no good week for sure. And I don't know. You can't help but feel bad because that just did not seem to play out too well for him. Uh, very, I guess what happened was General Kelly became the new chief of staff, and he was like, get this guy out. He's toxic. He's cursing to the media, not going to play well for us. He's bragging about having direct contact with Trump, not having to go through the cha normal channels in the White House. And Trump said, all right, you're, you're the new chief of staff. You get what you want. And Mooch was out, set a new record, 10 days in, in communications director position that Spicer, Sean Spicer, wanted that spot. And he kept saying, you know, don't hire this guy, don't hire this guy. They hired him. Spicer left, and then this guy was in for 10 days. I would I would love to get an interview with Spicer about this whole process. If I'm sure he's going to be smart and remain silent on it, but he kind of got a little vindicated. He's gonna, he doesn't have some big uh, you know, tell-all book that is going to be really interesting once the, the day comes for Sean Spicer. Part of that was, uh, again, again, that sort of triangle going on, or maybe even uh, a box if you include Trump in it, but the triangle between... Um, where is Mooch? Where is Spicer? Where is Kelly? Uh, um, you know, don't hire him to hire him. Hired him. Uh, all right, I'm out of here. But Kelly is, you know, Rance is out. Okay, Kelly's in charge. I'm going to put you in charge. You're going to have the people that you want in charge, and that means no Mooch. And remember, if you saw these clips that the news was playing when he first got in, Scaramucci, he, uh, he had some choice words for Trump, I guess, before he officially declared his candidacy for president. It was just an idea. And he called Trump a clown and a couple other words. And that was, you know, two years ago now, roughly. But uh, imagine if Trump just hired him just and then fired him as payback for those comments. <laughs> I don't even know what we're going to do. But what Anthony Scarmucci is going to do next, no one knows. He's made a, a ton of money. Um, I don't know if we uh, wish him well, David, but, you know, on, on the next thing, Mooch. He will land on uh, his feet for sure. 
<laughs> I mean, that guy, if anyone can do it, that that guy will be $85 million, whatever he's worth. But he's got a new baby. Whether or not he's the full-time dad, we will see. In that regard, for certain, we do wish Anthony Scarmucci well. Listen to The Real World, Ryan and Revan on We Are America Radio. We're out of here. We'll see you again soon. Stick with us, people. See ya.